This is Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Ball Review with an interview. I haven't done a few interviews in a while. I've got a guest joining me, Rossi Karen of U Sports Group. That's the official title, right? I have, you, weren't, you weren't with that officially last year when we talked. So how you doing, first of all? I'm, I'm doing well, Chris. How's everything going your way? Doing pretty well. So tell me about the U Sports. You're, you're a consultant for U Sports Group. Tell me about that. You know, U Sports Group was kind of founded um, – as I transitioned out of grassroots basketball, um, you know, I wanted to kind of take some of the experience and some of the relationships that I kind of cultivated over my 15 years in grassroots and, you know, be able to take the things that we were doing and just kind of take it to the collegiate level. So um, something that we're really excited about, we have a, a, you know, a number of events lined up over the next few years. And we're just looking to build a, a platform that gives athletes a chance to compete at a high level and then also have some community component attached to it where, where they can give back and help kids in, in the community. So we're, we're really excited about it. And that's the event you have upcoming as well while we're really talking today. So let's get into it, man. You've got uh, one event coming up first soon, and then you have a, you have a play. You made news, national news, with the, your concept of a bubble concept for December. So first things first, tell me about the, the first event. So we actually have two events lined up for the upcoming season. Um, and that's, you know, hoping that, that the COVID virus kind of subsides or, or, or takes a turn for the, for the better. Uh, we have an event on November the 13th um, in Dallas, Texas, which is called Hoop Hype XL College Basketball Showcase. And that event features Oklahoma State versus North Texas. And that event will also be a doubleheader and we're still waiting to kind of finalize that second game. Um, and then we have an event on December 18th at the Toyota Center, which is the Battleground 2K20, which will feature a matchup between uh, Texas A&M uh, versus Boise State in the first game and then the University of Texas versus Louisiana Tech in the second game. So we have two great events that, you know, that we're really fired up about. And, you know, we're really hoping to be able to do both of those events because there's some high level teams involved. When will you get, I guess, a definite answer, yay or nay, that those events will take place? You know, this this thing is the thing that makes it tough about COVID-19 and its effect, not just on our daily lives, but on on the sports industry is that there is no exact timeline. There, there is no, no exact timetable. Everything is kind of fluid and it makes it tough to plan. I mean, from event operators like myself to universities that are preparing to play games, I mean, even even college coaches, they don't know how much workouts or training they should be doing now because they don't know what the ramp up time is till the season start. And then even for the NCA, trying to figure out when to start the season, um, how that affects uh, non-conference play and conference play and then ultimately the NCAA tournament. So I think this thing is fluid. It's kind of a day by day basis. Um, We're waiting to get clarity from the NCAA, which I think they've said that should be somewhere around mid-September where we'll know the, the start of the season and hopefully uh, what the format or the outlook looks like. And then from there, we'll, we'll make it, we'll collaborate with the universities that are, that are involved in our existing events and then try to figure out what's the next best step to, you know, to protect student athletes and, and help make sure that they're safe. Based on what the NCA says in September, is there a possibility that you won't have those two events take place? I think that based on what the NCA says in September, there's a possibility that no one will have events. I mean, it's, it, you know, the NCA can move the season back to January. 
um, if, if, if that's what they feel is the best course of action to protect student athletes. So I think for all of us, I think it's just kind of wait and see. Uh, one of the things that we try to do is be really proactive and kind of plan um, just in case things kind of turn left or, or the direction went um, different than we initially anticipated. So we just want to be prepared that we have um, a basketball platform that, that can accommodate whichever way the NCAA uh, goes with the, with the upcoming season. When did you first come up with the the bubble concept? So the, the bubble concept was, was initially not necessarily um, a bubble. The goal was to try to figure out how to protect the student athletes who were participating in our existing events, who pipe XL and the battleground 2K. So we were kind of looking at different ways um, you know, what if the NCAA moves the season back to January? What do we do? So we were kind of thinking, well, let's figure out how to combine those two double headers, which would make one day of, of quadruple headers or two days of double headers, insulate those teams, you know, quarantine them for a day or so, make sure we test. So we were just trying to provide some some preventative measures um, just in case something happened with the season. And I was talking to a, a, a good buddy of mine who's who's here to um, – at one of the local high major schools, uh, an assistant there. And, and we just kind of kicking ideas off each other. We talk every week and we were talking about different scenarios and, you know, and, and, and he, he said something that hit home with me. He said, man, the only way to play games this year is in a bubble. He said, you better figure out, you better figure out how to have a bubble. And so from there, I just was just kind of took some of the preventative. We had already been looking at COVID testing and, and procedures and protocols and measures in place to keep, the area sanitized and to protect the athletes as they come into the to venue. So we had some things already in place, but when he said that it, it clicked and, and then we just kind of started putting together um, something that we thought was pretty comparable to what the NBA was doing with, with, with their bubble, because they've, they've proven that it can be successful. Now, obviously they're doing it on a, a you know, a, a far grander scale than any of us will be able to, to do it on, but they've given us the blueprint so we studied their bubble. We studied other uh, companies and corporations who have done kind of mini bubbles uh, for their businesses to protect their employees. And we consulted with medical professionals and doctors, and we came up with what we feel like is a is a is a viable option for a non-conference schedule to protect, um, you know, the health and safety of student athletes and still provide a, a competitive environment for those teams. What will be the protocol for the event November 13th? For November 13th? Yes. So so, so for November 13th, the, the way things well, – it's hard to say the way things are because they could be different in, in an hour. Um, the goal there would, would be to provide some negative tests, which will be done on campus before the teams arrive. Um, again, a lot of that will be predicated on – how many games they have leading up um, to the event and the travel time was, for instance, so for North Texas, they're right there in Dallas. So it's easier for them to provide some negative tests for those athletes. And the athletes who test positive will, you know, will hopefully be able to kind of stay on campus and, and quarantine. Um, but for, for those athletes who, who travel, when they arrive, we would, we would test them again. Um, and then, you know, hopefully be able to test them on the day of the game. And, and, one of the biggest hangups in all of this for, for all of us is where uh, testing and, and medical research is, you know, two and a half, three months from now. Um, you know, we've all heard things about the saliva test and, and 
you know, how much more efficient it is. We don't, you know, we don't necessarily know how much more effective it is as it relates to, you know, providing, you know, false negatives or, or false positives. Um, and, but the, the cost should be significantly less, but we don't know again how readily available it will be to um, individuals and to, to businesses on, on different fronts. So again, we're planning, but there's still a lot of things that, you know, that remain to be um, decided as we move closer. Has a venue been set for the Hoops Hype XL? For Hoop Hype XL, yes, it has. So it, it'll be held at Comerica Center, which is um, in Frisco. Okay. Um, and that's the the home of uh, the Dallas Mavericks G League team. Okay. So it's, it's a really nice arena, but it's a smaller arena. And the reason that we chose that arena is because, you know, as of today, if we had a game, no fans would be allowed. And if they if they're um, if the state allowed fans to participate, it would be a small number. So um, initially we were planning on using a much larger arena. But in that case, we say let's, let's make it a little more intimate so that if, you know, if the case is, hey, only a thousand fans can attend, um, that the gym doesn't appear as empty as if, you know, you have a, a 20,000 seat arena. So um, the Comerica Center is, is where, we're, where we're scheduled to play on November 13th in, in the Dallas Forward Metroplex area. Getting more back, getting back to the bubble concept, would that take place in Houston? Uh, the battle in the bubble is no, no, not not the battleground two K, but the concept of, of oh, okay, yeah, yeah, the yeah, yeah. the battle in the bubble is what is kind of okay calling it. Yes, it, it will take place in Houston. We are pretty far along on our on our um, event format and concept. We are kind of down to three locations um, that we will probably solidify. Uh, by the end of this week or early next week. Um, and there's three places that we feel pretty good about. And, and Houston has been great. I mean, we've, we've gotten calls from all over from, you know, different hotels and venues, um, you know, and, and hopes that we would bring the, the event to, to that particular location. So that Houston has been great. They've been supportive. Uh, but I think we, we kind of found three places that we feel great about. And, uh, we hope to kind of lock down and zero in on, on one of those locations here in the next 10 days or so. Um, we're pretty close. Well, have you come agreed upon a number of total number of participants for that, for the Battle of the Bubble? So our initial proposal that we sent out, initially we sent it out to 50 teams and we got great response. Once it went out, you know, kind of spread word of mouth and through, you know, kind of various national articles. Um, we've had over 80 teams call to figure out if, you know, if it's something that could be a viable option for that, for that program. Again, a lot of things are up in the air. We still have to wait to see what the NCA says and what some of the individual conferences um, have to say about the upcoming season. But there's a ton of interest. Um, our initial proposal, we sent out to another 25 teams this week. So probably about 75 teams have the proposal in their hands. Um, and and that, that proposal is based on 20 teams, which will be divided into two divisions. And each team will uh, play one scrimmage and eight non-conference games over the course of a three-week span, which would be about December 1st to December 21st. Um, and we're targeting that sweet spot in between the Thanksgiving break and Christmas. And the reason that we're doing that is because um, most universities will end the first semester right before Thanksgiving break, which would give teams about a seven or eight-day span to be on campus by themselves. So we would ask the team what to do what we call team isolate, 
where they can practice and work out together, but they will not be allowed to have any contact outside of their team. We would ask them to test every other day and then also provide negative tests on the day of travel um, as they travel to Houston. Um, teams will only be allowed to travel by charter bus or by charter flight, um, which is you know to try to cut down on the risk of coming in contact with anyone who, who may um, have the virus. So, you know, that sweet spot is, is there. We're looking at 20 teams based on the venue that we select and what the NCAA allows for a maximum number of games and maximum number of teams, we could accommodate up probably up to 32 teams. So okay. we're, we're kind of waiting to see, but the initial plan is 20 teams, two divisions, one scrimmage, eight games between December 1st and December 21st. If you decided to go the 32 team route, what would be the format for that? If we went with the 32 team route, we would probably do four divisions of eight. If that math works out right. Right. It does, yeah. We do four divisions of eight and probably do seven non-conference games per team. Um, so okay. it would be a similar format. Um, Instead of extending the, the number of days of the event, we would probably um, just include a, an additional game court. So right now we're looking at one game court, two practice courts, and a weight room facility so that teams could basically play games every other day or every two days but for the duration of the event. And then on the off days, they'll have opportunity, obviously, to practice and, and, and get in the weight room and, and spend some time there with their strength coach. So we would probably have to add another game court which is fine. The venues that we're looking at can accommodate that um, to kind of expedite those games and still stay within that three week window, which we think is kind of the sweet spot um, for these types of events. Now would the teams, if if this happens and is approved, are the team responsible for the expenses? Yes. The teams will be responsible for an, an entry fee to participate. And, the, the way we've kind of laid this thing out, and I think it's one of the reasons why everyone said that we can't do a bubble for college basketball. I mean, you remember three or four months ago, everybody was saying, hey, well, it works in the NBA. You can't do it in college basketball because it's an expensive endeavor. Right. The NBA has unlimited resources, whereas college basketball is a little different. Um, but the way we formatted it is that the college basketball programs would contribute to make this event happen. And, and, you know, and again, what they're paying for is a safe, secluded, competitive environment that, you know, that, that puts the priority of the student athletes um, health um, number one. So the way we look at it is each team has a budget that's already set for buy games for the upcoming season. And, you know, if, if you're in that space, you, you kind of know what those numbers look like. Um, well, if the season takes a turn and you can't, play a traditional non-conference schedule, that buy game budget, you're not going to use it. Um, so we would utilize that that budget to be able to put this together. So, you know, in in a, in a standard year, you may be the, the amount of money that you would use to, to pay for four buy games, which a buy game is where a team would pay um, an opponent to come on their campus to play a game, which they use to cover travel expenses and, and other things. And, some some programs use that buy game money to basically fund their entire season. Right. Some of them use to fund their season and the season of some of the other sports um, in the in the other programs. So they would use they would utilize that money. And 
as of today, if you have a buy game, let's say you pay a team to come to your arena, right? You can't have fans, which means you can't sell tickets, which means you can't make money on parking or concessions. Right. Even if you tried to use that money this year, it would almost be a waste. So you would potentially play, if you look at a high major opponent, if they have five buy games, they would potentially play five low major opponents to come to their arena to play in the empty arena. Whereas in our concept, they would use those funds. They could come in and get four high major games, two mid-major games, and two low major games in a three-week span in a safe, secluded environment. And then now it's time for Christmas break. And then after Christmas break, you go on to conference play. So you can knock out your entire non-conference schedule um, within the platform that, that we have that we have built. You just touched on a little bit. I was going to ask you, what is the breakdown of teams in terms of level of <clears throat> D1? Yep. So so our goal is, is kind of the phrase we're using is to provide an opportunity for Division One basketball programs to complete an abbreviated non-conference schedule in a safe environment. And if you look at a typical non-conference schedule for most teams, it typically consists of you know, three or four high major games, um, you know, a couple games, mid-major, mid-plus programs, and then those typical buy games that they would kind of squeeze in, which could be three or four of those games. So when you con- when you convince condense that schedule, you know, the, the format that we, we've come up with is four, you know, kind of power five games, two mid-major, mid-plus games, and then, you know, two uh, low-major games which would kind of give you every level of competition and it'll allow you to be able to really see where your team is and to prepare for the conference schedule. And based on the way things are today, our medical team is telling us that most conferences in order to make this thing, this season work are going to have to go to bubbles or pods too. So, you know, there may not be any games outside of bubbles and pods this year. And depending on, the vaccine and, and how readily available it is, the effects of it and, and people's confidence to take it. We may still be dealing with COVID 12 months from now. True. Surprise if, if we're still wearing masks, you know, next August as we prepare for the next college basketball season. So this may be something that, that takes place over a two year span. So um, we're already starting to kind of look at next year and what that looks like. But I wouldn't be surprised, again, if, if you and I are both walking around with, with masks on this this time next year. I agree with that. Have you? We're almost done, Rossi. Thank you for taking time to talk to no, us. It's all good. Have you been in discussions with any TV networks to, to uh, broadcast <clears throat> the games? So we're still working on, on that aspect of it. So our events that we have set now, Who Pipe XL, and the Battleground 2K would be broadcast on one of the ESPN networks. Okay. Um, so a lot of, you know, the television component is going to be predicated on um, the footprint of some of the teams, how the NCAA kind of uh, mandates the formats of these games. You know, are they considered a typical non-conference game? Are they considered, you know, some form of MTE so we don't we don't know yet until the NCAA gives further direction of how these games will be. Um, I, I, I can't think of the word, but how the how these games will be identified, um, and from there we would know. But last year we we partnered with ESPN, and, and this year our events coming up were were scheduled to be on the ESPN platforms. But again, we we won't know the TV side until the NCAA makes 
um, a decision. But I don't I, I don't think we would have any issues with the TV part with some of the teams that we kind of have in the fold. And to your credit, you are planning. You are discussing all these things. You're planning ahead. Unlike some folks, I won't name some sports. I won't name. So I commend you for that. Is there anything you want to say in conclusion as we wrap it up? You know, I, I, I think that this last six months and, and the COVID you know, virus and how it's impacted our lives and, again, the sports industry, you know, has shown us just how important that sports are to everyone. Um, and, you know, we just want to do our part to contribute, to help support, you know, what, what the NCAA is doing and what college basketball is doing to kind of push the, the sport forward, you know, to allow these student athletes to be able to do what they love to do, which is to be able to compete at a high level. But, you know, the most important thing of all of this to us is to make sure that the student athletes are safe, that they're healthy and that we're taking the proper uh, measures to, to ensure their safety. So um, we're excited about the opportunity to, you know, to create a bubble, but, you know, we're, we're focused right now on trying to make sure that the events that we have in place, which we are ecstatic about, we're hoping that those will run, but if they don't, then we have an alternative plan that, that will inc- be able to include, you know, anywhere from 20 to 32 teams and, and to provide a safe, secluded environment for those student athletes to, to, to compete. So um, we're excited about it. We look forward to the, to the challenge, either direction um, it goes. Rossi Karen from Youth Sports Group. How can folks keep up with you if they want to get in touch with you or follow you on social media? Uh, on social media, um, our social media handle is at the letter U sports with an S group. Um, and then on social media, I think my social media handle is at Rossi. That's R H O S S I underscore Karen C A R R O N. Um, and then our, our website is usportsgroup.com. So um, they can follow us on our social channels or they can connect with us um, via our, via our website, usportsgroup.com. Rossi Karen, U Sports Group. Thank you very much for taking time for speaking to me, man. You take care. Appreciate you. Thank you very much.